I'm Liz Sumner, and this is I Always Wanted To, the podcast where I interview people who are doing things that others long to do. What have you always wanted to try? Hi, everyone. I just wanted to give a quick welcome to our new listeners and followers. I'm really glad you're here. I have a couple of requests. First, if you like what you hear, please share it with your friends and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, I'd really like to know who's listening, so if you could fill out a brief survey, you'll find it at lizsumner.com survey. And if you're really a fan, you can support the podcast at patreon.com alwayswanted. Thank you so much for listening. This week, my conversation with Manny Faces was so compelling that I decided to make it into two episodes. In part one, Manny explains the culture of hip-hop and why he founded the Center for Hip-Hop Advocacy. In part two, he responds to some of my preconceptions about what hip-hop music is and is not. I learned a lot, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here's part one. My guest today is Manny Faces. Manny is an award-winning journalist and host of the podcast Newsbeat. In 2015, he founded the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy. I invited him here to help me understand why I should appreciate hip hop. Welcome, Manny. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. So tell me, what is hip hop? Is, is that an umbrella term? Uh, in in its truest sense, yes. A lot of people Im- immediately associate it with the genre of music, uh, rap music, you know, generally. Uh, but hip hop uh, is an umbrella term uh, for a, for a culture, uh, which encompasses a number of things, including music, uh, including hip hop music or rap music. So hip hop uh, is, if you look up the definition of culture, and it has all of these, you know, traditions and things built in community and the way that, you know, people operate and uh, carry on through life, their ethos, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, There is indeed a hip hop ethos, a hip hop uh, culture. Uh, Mm -hmm. And again, the art form that people normally attach to that is just a subset of that culture. Okay, so if you're talking simply about the music, what's the difference between, I mean, is rap a subset of hip hop? What's what's the difference between hip hop music and rap? Yeah, I think there, there's a, a close equality. So hip hop music is and rap have been used interchangeably and acceptably so. We, that's pretty much it. The, the, the music of hip hop is rap. However, the music of hip hop is also DJing. It's, it's mm. sort of a, you know, the, the music of hip hop is also beatboxing, you know, making you know, musical sounds with your mouth. Uh, so even there, there are, it's, it can be tributaries or gray areas. Okay. Okay. Uh, but generally speaking, when you think of hip hop music, generally speaking, most people are, are thinking of rap. They will mention DJing, turntablism, sort of the art of DJing or beatboxing as their own separate things. Okay. Alrighty. So, so how did you come to be an advocate for hip hop and what's your musical evolution? I've been a fan of hip hop. I, I, I'm about as old as hip hop. We kind of grew up, uh, you know, simultaneous parallel, if you would. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I grew up right outside of, of New York City. So I grew up on Long Island. 
Uh, and I grew up in a, uh, uh, I'd say it's a, a mixed demographic neighborhood, but primarily, you know, my school friends were African-American, Caribbean-American, you know, children of immigrants and such. Uh, so I had that influence. Uh, and I, I just, I'm a white guy, so, you know, I'm, a, you know, uh, an Italian-American. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, my dad was a sociology professor, taught uh, urban studies, sociology of minorities, and was a jazz and blues guy, uh, you know, and doo-wop. So I had this kind of uh, basis, this foundation of black American music uh, mm -hmm. through that, that osmosis. Uh, and then growing up with, you know, uh, black friends right outside of New York City in the 80s, hip hop rap was the thing. Uh, so just like okay. a lot, yeah. a lot of their, their, their communities came up, you know, kind of, uh, this music was growing. Uh, I was a part of that community. Uh, and so therefore I, I, uh, I absorbed it just like, you know, many kids did in America, uh, you know, before maybe uh, middle America, let's just say. Um, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I was a fan of rap uh, very early on. I, you know, I, I, I wasn't trained musically, so I didn't, I didn't really do well in band <laughs> class in school, uh, but I enjoyed the uh, playing records. I enjoyed uh, trying to DJ and, and learn how to kind of manipulate the record scratch a little bit. Uh, I enjoyed the concept of making beats, so I, very early on, I, I bought a very low-end drum machine, and I would uh, program the drum machine to kind of match the drum beats of a song on the radio. Or, you know. So I, I enjoyed that kind of, I don't know, <laughs> programmability of kind of recreate music in that way. Um, so I dabbled in all of these areas. Uh, at some point, I, you know, as many young kids did at that stage, I wrote rhymes, I I wrote some rap songs. I had some friends. We would kind of do this stuff together on a lark. I eventually got more into the production side where I was uh, sampling music, taking loops from older records and, you know, manipulating them and putting drum beats over them and, you know, making original, quote unquote, uh, some would argue, but original music, original beats for local rap, uh, you know, uh, friends I knew that wanted to make songs. And I started, built a small mm -hmm. home studio uh, so musically, that's where I got into it. And then I, then I would DJ and then eventually I was DJing out and I would playing out with, you know, uh, had bought records and I had turntables and I would go do parties. Uh, so I, I, those were my, my idea. Well, I wasn't a dancer. I wasn't a B-boy. I wasn't a break dancer. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't do graffiti uh, style writing. I wasn't very artistic in, in that area. But musically, that's where I went. And then through life, uh, I started working in journalism you don't, you know, earn a living as a, you know, fle fledgling <laughs> hip hop DJ, uh, unless you're on the radio at the time. Uh, although I had aspirations and I, I wanted to do production. I interned at a recording studio. And so I was trying to, to do this thing where I would, you know, become a producer, become a, a rap producer, rap music producer. Uh, I made some remixes. They got kind of passed around during the, you know, peer to peer sharing age and MySpace age. And so I made a little bit of a name in kind of re, uh, taking the acapella versions of commercially released songs and, and placing different music underneath them, putting them out. DJs love that sort of thing. And I did that for some years. Where the advocacy started coming from was really my work in journalism. I, 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 I'm a self-taught guy. I, I said my, my father was a college professor. I went to college for about 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the shoemaker's son, no shoes, oh, yeah, something, yeah, yeah. something, something, something. <laughs> um, 
but I was self-taught and I was pretty adept at technology and I got into you know, graphic design and then I got into publishing and then I, I got somehow a job at a, at a weekly newspaper. And the alt-weeklies out here are sort of the, the uh, scrappy dog biting at the heels of the mainstream daily newspaper. Mm -hmm. um, so we cover the things that they might overlook. Uh, we might go after the companies that happen to be advertisers in the daily newspaper, but we don't care. So we'll, you know, we'll call them uh, to account and, um, and, you know, put some bad cops, you know, on blast, things like that. <laughs> so a real kind of ragtag bunch of really great journalists that were going against the grain, very hip hop in my in my sense, just kind mm -hmm. of, you know, going going against the, the status quo uh, and doing it when you weren't supposed to be able to do it. Uh, from them, I learned journalism you know, more structured. I, I was always a decent writer, uh, you know, uh, but now, now at a night I was this, you know, hip hop guy, this like Clark Kent superhero thing where at nighttime I'm a hip hop aficionado. I, I'm right near New York city. I'm in New York city. Often I see artists. I know some artists. Um, but New York city has lost its, uh, flash in terms of hip hop, hip hop in America had, had migrated to, to other cities. Uh, Houston was becoming very large Atlanta, became and still in some ways is the the next mecca the new mecca of of hip-hop in in america what year is it now uh you know late night uh 2000s okay like through the 2000s hip-hop you know new york owned hip-hop in the in the in the 80s la then became kind of the next hub uh but then through the years other cities became very uh, large scenes and the and the industry then followed uh, mm -hmm. there's a whole side thing about why, or, or you know, uh, strip club culture in the South was great because there was, you know, DJs from the radio would go into the strip clubs, that's, they'd get hired off the radio and then they'd advertise on the radio. And then the artists from the local areas would, uh, have their songs debuted at the clubs. And so there was this cyclical thing that in New York, we, we, we didn't really have, we weren't, we don't have strip club culture in New York, but Atlanta, you know, it's quite a different thing. But anyway, uh, so New York had lost its luster in terms of perceived luster. Uh, the hip hop media was elsewhere. But I found it very, uh, I found that the, the void was there. And the, the independent music scene in New York City was very progressive, uh, actually more so than I think what was being portrayed, and uh, certainly on the radio, there were people from all different styles in New York City, it was literally the still the melting pot. But you also had the pioneers of hip hop music, the the legends, the the OGs that were still alive and walking down mm -hmm. the street, you could see them and you know, you could meet with them. And mm -hmm. so I got this urge to cover that journalistically and be the voice uh, so of New York hip hop music and culture. And that became my beat for 10 years. I, I had an online publication that I started, I had a podcast that was complimentary. And I was the one I was the one doing it focused. So I covered the independent music scene and all these things, artists and, and uh, great s event series that were going on for 15 years that were just fabulous, incredible bastions of, of talent that, you know, didn't really get the attention that they deserved. I gave it the attention and I did that for some time. During that time, though, and this is, gets to the advocacy part, mm -hmm. I discovered a lot of people and organizations that were using hip hop in really inventive ways, innovative ways that were outside of just being entertainers. Uh, I would meet teaching artists uh, that would, you know, go into, I don't know, uh, juvenile detention centers and kind of connect with young people uh, through music, uh, help them craft uh, raps to, as sort of therapeutic, uh, in a therapeutic mm -hmm. way. I met uh, 
uh, teachers that would bring hip hop into the classroom, both as a subject of study, but also as a tool to improve grades, improve uh, engagement. Uh, there were there were organizations, one called Fresh Prep, that would train young kids uh, who were failing these standardized tests that we have, these social studies tests and stuff. And these kids were failing. They're from like kind of poorly funded schools. They were kind of, eh, you know, getting that kind of attention. You bring hip hop into the mix, you bring some artists in that were authentic, and they would create raps that in, you know, kind of in included the subject material that they needed to study, turn them into songs. The kids kind of got into it. They memorized the songs. They memorized the subject matter. 80% that had previously failed then went on to pass these tests. So, wow. So I start covering that sort of thing. As I realized within a couple of years, that's happening everywhere uh, throughout America and really truly throughout the world. I just uh, hosted a global conference on hip hop education, for example, nine day conference that just happened. So then my journalistic uh, focus changed a bit. And I said, all right, I love the independent scene. I love my New York folk. I love the people that are doing it. And, and some of them are, I'm going to still be able to talk about. But this, you know, this intersection of hip hop being used to uplift humanity in areas like education or science and technology or health and wellness, uh, social justice and activism, all these other areas that nobody's talking about, except for, you know, in little tiny circles or maybe in academic circles, that the public, I'm pretty sure, generally speaking, has no clue. And so that became sort of my mission to try to tell those stories and amplify the voices of the people doing that work. That is way more exciting than I had any idea. Um, okay, so give me some examples of some of the intriguing projects that, that, that are turning you on. Yeah, um, education, I think, is, is, is the most mature of these intersections. Uh, although, again, health and wellness uh, sort of is right there, uh, especially when you talk about mental health therapy, school counseling. Uh, so I started meeting folks, and, and, and what I did was I started a podcast myself, uh, shouts to fellow podcasters, uh, Hip Hop Can Save America, uh, which interviews the people that are doing the work that's, again, improving lives and livelihoods mm-hmm. and communities. And school counselors, Dr. Ian Levy, you know, comes up as, you know, if, if, you, if you just start dabbing your toe into this water, you'll find his work. And he was a school counselor in New York. I think he's a 2016 New York State School Counselor of the Year. Uh, and he incorporates hip hop therapy into this, into his practice. Uh, Dr. Raphael Travis wrote a book about it. This idea that connecting the students uh, through the language and through the style and the substance and the way that they speak and the way that they see the world, if you do that authentically, you have a, you're already leaps and bounds ahead of somebody who's coming in from a very maybe Eurocentric or very structured or very, you know, uh, PhD kind of, you know, way of, of going in because children, young people are different across all demographics. It only makes sense that if you kind of meet them halfway or meet them where they're at, you might get a little bit better response. You might get a little bit more trust, uh, et cetera, et cetera. The problem is that the most counselors don't come from the culture. Uh, they they don't necessarily have, especially if you're teaching, if you're you know a white person teaching in a in a black predominantly black school, you you may as well intentioned as you may be, as well trained as you may be, you're not of that community. So there's a, a cultural divide uh, there that that could be bridged through a a uh, an understanding and appreciation for hip hop. So these counselors recognize this, they put it into practice uh, with great results. Uh, 
there's a program called Science Genius. Dr. Chris Emden, who's probably the lead, you know, uh, the most uh, front-facing uh, face of this movement, uh, has, uh, established a program called the Science Genius Battles. And they would be brought into schools. Again, these are like uh, underfunded schools, inner city schools, typically black and brown communities. Uh, so they get these fundings for these pilot programs like, you know, it ain't working. Try something new. And so they'd come in with, they say, okay, we got this thing where we come into science class. We meet with your teacher. We have a sort of a facilitator and a, and a, and a rap artist, a, an independent rapper, you know, someone who's probably out there making some records, not a superstar, but out there doing it on the independent scene, comes into the classroom and we're going to teach these kids to create rap songs about the science that they're learning. So it's like the other thing, but the kids are doing it themselves. But not only that, it's not just rote memorization, which is one of the criticisms of doing it. You could you could put anything into a song and remember, look at all the people that know everything about the founding fathers because of Hamilton. <laughs> like we all, <laughs> we know so much now because we just memorize those songs. Mm -hmm. So that's good, but where does it really help excel? And where in the Science Genius program, uh, they would craft the songs, but they would also compete. It'd be the Science Genius battles. So you would compete with your classmates. And to do that, you really had to go in. You really had to be engaged. You really had to you know, study the, 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 the art form, but you know the art form. So that's not too hard for these kids. But you have to really know the material. You have to have a mastery of that material to be able to turn it into a song that makes sense. And I'll give you the greatest example I ever heard. Uh, by the way, they would battle the class. Then the kind of winners would then battle other schools within the, the district. And then you so then you'd have this you know, finals and the family would come and the friends would come and it'd be in the auditorium and it'd be these battles about science. <laughs> like these kids are, these entire families would come out and cheer on their kids for doing science when these kids may have had so minimal interest to begin with. And one of the greatest stories I heard from that program, which has now gone on to like six different cities. I think they're in three countries. They, they, they moved out of Jamaica. I think they're in Canada. Um, so a very successful acclaimed program. Uh, one of the greatest stories I heard was a young woman who made a, uh, her song was sort of about the uh, functions of the body, right? So the, if you were, the functions of the body, if you were to be poisoned or introduce toxins into your body, right? Which is great. You break down the things and, you know, your kidney and your liver and how the, I don't, you know, I'm not, I don't know, but, I, mm -hmm. you know, all the things. But she's doing it as a metaphor for a broken heart because she had been through a relationship that had gone bad. So the, the way her body feels, she, uh, the metaphor, what? And that, and that came out of this class, that came out of this movement. So when I would hear things like that, I'm like, come on, like the, the perception of rap and hip hop and un, you know, unfortunately, the folks who are typically associated with those genres is is always so negative and always so you know one-sided and and there's I, I shouldn't say always I hate speaking hyperbole but often and 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 mm -hmm. you know generally uh, that this is this is amazing work this is just truly touching work that that is going to go on to to change people's lives and then when I start opening up that Pandora's box education health and wellness science and technology I've, we have a great program that I work with some folks where we introduce young people to computer coding. 
And again, these kids may not have computer coding in their classrooms. They don't have those 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 funds in those schools. But it's an after school program or it's a weekend program. I did it here in, in Newark, New Jersey at the, the library. And these kids come in and they learn the basics of computer programming to build beats. So you can select a beat, a loop, and place it and then select a drum and put it underneath and layer them and make these beats, but you have to do it through programming. And you know, if then statements and load and you know, and I've seen kids that had no clue had to, by the end of this like four or six or eight hour session, have a rudimentary knowledge of computer programming and, and love it and wanna come back and, and stay engaged the whole time. So I have been on a tear by saying that there's probably no, and I could give you 20, we could talk all day. There's probably no aspect of education or health or life entrepreneurship, uh, the fine arts that we talked about Hamilton, but there's hip hop theater way before and way after. It doesn't start and end with Hamilton. It happens all over the world that it's been happening for decades. There's no aspect or, of society that doesn't have some hip hop in the mix and that can't be improved from that hip hop mentality, I would say. And that's been my work. Those are some of the, the examples that have inspired me along the way. Wow. I am completely convinced in terms of the culture uh, and, and the effect that it could have. Uh, help me understand a little bit more about the art form because I don't relate to the music. I certainly relate to, to what is possible when you reach young people where they are. Sure. Uh, I think that's brilliant. But, but help me understand what is the art form? How do you build a song? Yeah, it's the, the great thing about hip hop is, you know, except for some real basic structures, I mean, it, it tends to be, you know, songs tend to be the same, tend to be, you know, uh, the same length as pop songs, it's radio ready songs, three to, you know, three to four minutes. Uh, it's typically a four, four, it's typically, you know, bars and loops and, you know, and, and, and patterns, but it's within this, it's within a subject matter and sort of the style that then it becomes, I think, you know, I'm not a musicologist, so to speak, but I think like really one of the most malleable and uh, dynamic uh, forms of art, much less music or music, much less art, you can and have said anything in a rap song, like any subject matter is covered. You say you don't relate to the music, but I bet you we could find rap music that you would relate to actually. I'm going to look for your suggestions and, and, yeah. and maybe ask you to make me a playlist. <laughs> That's it. Because I think that the perception, and this is not just a, a fault of people who are not familiar or connected with hip hop. This is a fault of, of hip hop fans today uh, because we grew up on the radio. Uh, we grew up getting rap delivered to us on the radio. And in the so-called golden era, the late 80s, early 90s, there was this wide diversity of talent that we could hear every day. We turn on the radio and you'd hear a tribe called Quest, which is very jazzy, sampled and 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 smart lyrical content. And, you know, that was and and, and just fun, you know, eclectic mix. De La Soul, great samples from different genres of music, bringing in all kind of influences, uh, you know, really creative and 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 not 
quote unquote, I hate to use the term, and not negative, so to speak, no, not real negativity. But you'd hear public enemy on the radio, and that was very, you know, fight the power, very, you know, anti-establishment, very anti-racism, anti-white supremacy, and and that or Karis One, who was very, you know, let me extol the virtue of black excellence and 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 black history, and you know, and that and that was great lessons to learn. I learned more about black history, to tell you the truth, you know, from listening to Karis uh, One and and Brand Nubian and X Clan uh, than I did in my class because this would be the only month of the year, Black History Month, we'd learn anything with any depth. Uh, so, you know, there was that. And it was on the radio. It was accessible. It was, it was Then you'd have Salt and Pepper, who were, you know, women just kind of killing the game and establishing their sexuality as a, as a, as a strength and, you know, uh, you know, all these things. And then over the years, you'd have the, in, the influence of, you know, sort of what would be deemed gangster rap but some would call it reality rap. So now you have some of the more rugged tales that were sort of the documentarians of, of hip hop that were coming from, you know, the crack era. And you, you know, these, these, these were permeating into, into the, the art form as well. So you're getting this wild mix of creativity of, journalism to, to some now some of it is embellishment some of it is i'm going to capitalize off of the fact that gangster records you know gangster rap started selling and i you know i'm not a thug but i'm gonna play one on on the record you know <laughs> pretend to be one i get all that i understand all that that's cool but you know there's a lot of you know italians running around that were you know acting like uh de Niro, you know also so we you know we get that across the board but you know so that happens but you were getting this wealth of 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 uh, information, of style. Mm -hmm. Now, over the years, we get older. We not we don't have the disposable time. the The genre changes. Uh, the front facing part of the genre changes. What's on the radio changes. So now you'll have you, you ask what's the, the 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 format of a song or you know what's the style of it. It's it's now it's it's changed again. It's always adapted. In forty years, I don't know if any genre has evolved as much as hip hop does. But has because you'll still have people making music today in the style of that 80s, 90s Renaissance area where it really got much more than just, uh, you know, simplistic beats and, and very simplistic rhymes. When Rakim came onto the scene and started speaking in, in metaphors and bringing all kind of literary devices to his, you know, to his, his rhyme structure, his cadences started, uh, as he would say, started mirroring jazz. He, he would listen to jazz growing up. He was a jazz musician and he would rap as a jazz musician might improvise. And, you know, so, wow. so there were leaps and bounds in terms of complexity over the years. And now on the front facing side of it, it seems to have taken a, uh, some would say a de-evolution de where it's, you know, maybe it's much more sing-songy, maybe it's much more, you know, this uh, uh, sort of an emo kind of uh, attitude. Uh, trap music has changed it and taken the sound of the of hip hop in a totally different direction than the much faster, uh, much fast, faster or slower tempos uh, than the well, traditional. I don't know what tra trap, what what is trap music? So uh, again, when we talked about moving to different areas of the country, uh, mm -hmm. if if you're if you grew up on hip hop, you would know sort of that nine. I mean, I'm gonna speak musically, but you know, 96, 98 beats per minute, kind of a boom boom bat, boom 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 bat, like a, a very kind of you know medium tempo. Uh, trap mm -hmm. music is uh, is it depends on how you look at it, a very slowed down version or a very sped up version of the beats, where everything's sort of double time. Uh, so it changes the sonic structure of these songs and it changes the the cadence, the flow. You could speak 
really, really fast and double up your, your, your words, or you could kind of drag it all out and be very, very slow. Uh, that sonically is so much different than what New Yorkers and you know some of the folks, again, purists and traditionalists have heard um, because they didn't grow up on that sound. But if you speak to someone in the southern part of the United States, this and, and, and this has now been sort of the, the sound that has, I think, taken over some parts of, of the world. They've copied over this new kind of sonic uh, structure. Uh, and and that, so that's different. It's completely, if you listen to a song from a uh, rap song from the 90s and a rap song today, they don't sound alike at all, but they have that DNA. So like I said, when you said, is it hip hop? You know, the open-minded of us would say yes, even though, you know, is it hip hop? Is it rap? Is it even rap? People even question, like, is that rap? These these, these uh, sort of sing-songy, some of them like kind of mumble, they have thick accents, you know, dialect from, you know, South uh, Southern or, or Midwest or Western or Southwestern. This, this, and and it, it's not the, the focus isn't on sort of that lyrical content, that substantive uh, rap music. But we have to say that's what's on the radio. That's what sort of is being mirrored and copied, you know, in the pop culture circles. As I, as I often say, today... So, so that's very misleading to people who, who might turn on the radio today and say, not only is this not the rap I know, it doesn't even sound like, like anything I know. And, and there's nothing there. To that I say, uh, we got spoiled when it was on the radio and it was accessible and it had these wide-ranging styles. And now because of corporatization and all these things where they're, you know, the, the radio stations are all playing the same kind of thing. But the genre itself is as progressive, forward-thinking, and evolved as it's, as it's ever been. A Spotify account will tell you that. Uh, you say you can't relate, I, give me a subject and, and, and we'll find a song about it. People say there's no more protest music in hip hop, that that was something hip hop was very much known for. I disagree, I'll give you hundreds of examples. They may not be on the radio. They may not be uh, sung by a superstar. Jay-Z isn't necessarily you know dropping uh, social justice anthems, but the artists who are not only have been doing it for 20 years, so this is this is what they do, but they're also artist activists. They're also out there actually doing that work. They're leading community organizations. They're performing at these functions. They're speaking out as well as being uh, an artist. Tef Poe, uh, who was in the St. Louis area uh, when the Ferguson riots happened, he had been there, he, had, he was from there uh, when, when Mike Brown was, was killed by police. And he had been doing this kind of music. He kind of came to the forefront a little bit during that time and then went on to become a fellow at Harvard. That's as consequential to me. And, and the music he makes is as substantive as, and as you know important. So you would relate to that. You, you would not relate, you know, but you would be interested in that music. That music would, would speak to you. Uh, and we can find that give me the subject matter and I'll get back to you and it'll be there. It just, it exists. Um, so I think that's the main myth or perception. Stylistically, it goes all over the place and substantively, there is almost nothing missing from from hip hop music if you just kind of know where to look or, or and, and quality work, not just 
you know, although I was going to say not just bedroom artists, some bedroom artists are fantastic. Uh, you know, Billie Eilish was a bedroom artist and she's a superstar now. She's very good. I like Billie Eilish. But we could talk, not hip hop, but you know, as wide ranging, as dynamic, as impactful as a music genre could be, hip hop by leaps and bounds, still today, even more than ever. And, you know, some of these examples, I think, can prove it. Uh, I'd like to say, uh, I'd like to be challenged. I'd like to say, you know, two things. Can can hip hop help me be a better plumber? Like whatever job you have, <laughs> you know? Yes, and I can tell you that. And then, but also can hip hop, can can I find something that, that I could relate to? Well, you know, I don't know much about you and your life, but I bet you we could find something that you'd be really fascinated with, absolutely. Well, you, you're making it sound very fascinating, but I have some misunderstandings, some biases I wanna ask you about. My conversation with Manny Faces will continue in part two. You can find out more about him, his podcast Newsbeat, and the Center for Hip Hop Advocacy in the show notes. I'm Liz Sumner, reminding you to be bold, and thanks for listening. <laughs>